Welcome to Photo Mission Focus Discussing Photography. Um, in the studio with me today, I have Cherie. Cherie, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Stephen. Cherie, can you just kind of tell us a little bit, introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about what type of photography you're into? I'm Brisbane-based photographer. I've come up through the amateur ranks. Didn't even pick up a camera until mm, I was around 50, which for those who don't know, that's over, just over 20 years ago. The sort of photography I do, I actually like to photograph everything. Yes. I'm something of a documenter, and so everything around me captures me. But social documentary is the thing I keep coming back to. Yes. And in more recent times, street photography and street art photography. The street artists just captured me, their colour. Yes. And you know, the amazing things they do. But the sort of photography I do, I, I like to go off in a rainforest with a tripod and do what I call slow photography and get back to the roots of what I learned when I was doing film. And, and it's a bit of a Zen thing for me when I do that. Whereas when I'm out in the street photographing, it's, it's quick. Yep. Uh, you take lots of photos to get the one you like. It's a buzz. Yes, I was going to say, is, is it a buzz? Because that's, that's how I find it. I find when you immerse yourself with other creatives, and, and I've done similar to what you've been doing as far as the street art stuff, and I've always been into street photography for a long, long time, but then I kind of added the street art documenting the, the artists at work, basically, and that really excites me. Um, so I understand that buzz that you get because that's why I do it. Yeah, I guess I've... In the last probably 10 years, I've loved to photograph people doing what they love, what they're good at, their art, their craft, their trade. So the, the street artist photography was an extension of that. I have photographed artisan bakers and farriers and carpenters and craftspeople, leather workers. They fascinate me and I... I look back at things that were done 50 years ago and I look at what things, you know, when you look at old photos and you think, oh, that's how they did things then. And I like to think that in years to come, people will look at my photos and say, oh, was that how they did things? Yes. In the 2000s and the 2020s and things like that. So that's part of what drives me when it comes to social documentary photography. And I think you're right. I think in the future, people are going to look back and there's so much documentation of of human life particularly with the advent of digital photography we're going to have all these records that people are going to go back and look in 50 years and look back and hopefully be able to get a really good snapshot and understand how people because i'm sure in 50 years from now everything's going to be so much different but they'll better go back and see like you said going back 50 years and seeing how people did stuff one of the challenges i love about watching those you know looking at those images at 50 years ago is that the challenges that the photographers had to physically go through to get those photos because, you know, we've got it relatively easy today with digital photography. Like yourself, I mean, I started off with film and, you know, there's a lot of challenges with film. Yes, carrying it just for starters. I went to South Africa in 2006 with a film camera and I had both slide and negative with me and, and bought more negative film over there and keeping it cool enough so that you didn't end up with the extra colour casts and things yep. from the heat was um, a, a challenge in itself and, and carrying it, you know, we were travelling in a micro 
mini sort of vehicle. Yep. And you just fit things in where you can and I was trying to keep things in an esky and it was much more difficult uh, yes. than it is to carry the digital camera now. I remember doing a trip in 1993 all through the US and I took a lot of film with me and I ended up having to buy more film while I was over there but just, just managing a large cache of film and we flew through lots of airports so there was lots of times it was going for x-ray machines and not much you could do about it but just kept your fingers crossed um but the trouble was i was there in, when it was in winter bitterly cold and film when it gets really really cold and you load it in your camera and you're loading it you'll be so careful you can just tear the film it gets that cold so yeah there's a lot of challenges for film photography but i'm grateful that we have the i suppose have the technology we have today Yes, but I think the film photography taught me about exposure better, especially when you use slide because you had such a limited range to expose. Yep. It's only about five stops, whereas negatives you could dodge and burn to bring out your your um, light and dark areas. Yes. And I think sometimes that helps me if I want to go back to thinking about how I want my photo exposed because... Well, cameras these days do wonderful things and will will expose things for you. Often, you don't you just don't want it to be that normal no, exposure. You want, you, you want to you want to manipulate control. it and yes. control it, and that's that's the joy in being a uh, a photographer. Yep. It uh, you know learning about how to use your camera, whatever the camera. I might say. I mean, I've seen people win very large com- competitions with small point and shoots it it's not it's it's understanding your camera and i i'm really grateful for the time my initial i suppose apprenticeship with photography through the film and and i used to shoot a lot of transparencies as well because transparencies was one of those mediums that i really loved and like when expo 88 was on i shot most of that on slide film um just because I just liked the look you could get from it. But they also, like you said, there's challenges in actually getting those, getting those shots as well. The, the nuances of film were amazing. You know, I, I used things like Velvia yep. for, um, for the rainforest photos, Provia for photographing in the snow with those uh, beautiful blue skies with the white snow and that. And then there was a lovely... Film came out from Kodak quite late in the days of film, which name escapes me now, but it it finally did purples well. (laughs) And it was absolutely brilliant for flower photography and fashion photography. It it was a negative film. But um, yes, and I've yet to come across anything digitally that replicates Velvia. (laughs) Yes, yeah. But, you know. That's it. You do your best. So, which means like... You know, through your kind of career of photographing, you've obviously amassed a body of work and it's fantastic to have these bodies of works, but sometimes it's it gets to a point where you feel like you need to share them. Yeah. Which which brings us to probably why I got you in the studio today is to talk about an upcoming event that people will be actually come out and be able to see some of your work. So can you just explain a little bit about your upcoming Exhibition? Okay. My upcoming exhibition is about those street artists who do generally very large walls, some even silos. 
I like to think of them as grand artists. They do grand works. They dare to do them, honestly, because it is hard work. It is sometimes dangerous when they get up in the big booms against a silo, for instance. Um, They're out in all sorts of weather. They're painting on what you would call dreadful canvases. Yep. Uh, Managing their paint, for instance, the medium they're working with, in stinking hot conditions, dry and dusty conditions, wet, cold conditions, is uh, there's huge challenges. There's all the technical challenges surrounding using their, their paints there's the technical changes of of um, of putting a painting on round or corrugated or unevenly shaped uh, walls. There might be windows in the middle of them, or ledges, or you know all sorts of things. Yes, um, it, it's that they they make it work they they use the some of them use the weirdest looking grids you've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> and i i do have some examples of that in in the exhibition so people can see the so the way they make a scribbly grid yes yeah and i think um, i think that, and that's for a lot of people like they look at the the scale of these things and think how do they get all the proportions so right and again chicken scratch or you know, the doodle art grid, whatever people call it, different things, but it's a technique that's used by artists to do the scaling. Yes. And the other thing is they don't all use the same sorts of grids. Some use the scribbly grids, yep. particularly more recently. The first time I saw Guido Van Helton paint, and he's probably the most famous, one of the most famous large-scale paint artists in the world, he um, he just had a little little crosses here and there. He was right up against this incredibly dark wall with these little crosses, and and a picture that he was using as reference. And he painted there in stinking heat for two or three weeks, all day every day. And and I simply it was beyond me to fathom how he could even manage to get that painting to look right yes. at that scale. But he does, and and he's amazing. And then some some artists, for instance, might take um, a week to do a mural the size of your lounge room wall because they're so intricate. Yes. And or it's just the way they work. Other artists like Soffels, I've seen him step up to a wall with with just a not even a picture to look at and paint and have it done in three or four hours, which uh, just blows you away that someone can do that. <laughs> Look, I think it, it is. It's amazing that they can actually kind of do all that in their mind, but they can actually picture the whole thing, how it's going to – how it needs yeah. to, to sit there. For a lot of people, that's a real challenge, like a challenge to try and understand that process. And I, and I always find watching street artists – work out on those large scale things it's just so interesting just looking and I'm sure you've seen lots of different techniques along the way that they all work a little bit different yes some of these artists I've photographed many times over the past seven years and so I've watched the techniques evolve their style evolve 
so where they used to almost all use a printout of what they were painting, they now almost all use an iPad or a, a pad or a phone. Yes. And it is a, a tool of trade or art or craft or whatever you like to call it nowadays. So they're able to design digitally and zoom in to get their their detail and so it, it's become an essential tool. Yes. I mean, it's, it's funny how technology has really kind of come such a long way. There's so many different aids and different things. I mean, in, in photography, we've got the advantage of cameras now with amazing focusing and all these types of whiz-bang technology in the cameras. And like I said, but it's even flowing into things like street art where they've been able to I suppose just use, like you said, it always blows me away when someone's standing there with, a, with an iPhone and they're painting this massive thing and they've got this little iPhone in their hand and it's just appearing on the wall. What's funnier still is you see people standing there saying, I don't know about these young people, they're always on the phone. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, no, they're not on the phone, they're using the phone. <laughs> yes, yeah, yep. <laughs> but uh, people don't always see what's in front of them. No, that that's the thing. The, the other thing is the technique they use, while still a lot use spray cans, spray guns, more often in use on the, on the bigger walls and then sometimes the wands. And more, I think more are using brush and whether that's because of the health issues with using a spray and having to wear, of course, the big masks. Yes. Or you know, perhaps brush applies the paint thicker so that there's a... a you know, more, uh, it can keep longer. Yep. And that's another thing about street art that's amazing is that these people get out there, these amazing grand artists, and they paint these huge, create these huge works, and they could disappear tomorrow or fade away. Yes. The monochrome ones tend to last longer, I think. Yes. They all, you know, the coloured ones all fade a bit. Well, you know, uh, they have to. I mean, they're out. It's it's not like a, a canvas that's going to be or, or a, an artwork that's indoors and going to be protected from the elements. These ones are out in the elements and it obviously can't stay in pristine condition. And I think, like, you know, in Queensland we have such harsh summer times mm. and quite often the pigments in certain colours definitely break down much quicker and uh, harsh summers but I think for sometimes I like some of the older street art it takes on a it just keeps evolving it takes on as that patina it does a lot of the big works now they also put um try to put a coating of silicon over it and that kind of reminds me of something else I, I've been lucky enough to see old indigenous artwork going back um 30,000 years the Bradshaws and things like that right up in the at Munara, right up in the north, and and in Uber, in the Kakadu, and many other places that necessarily, you know, I've just come across them. And something someone told me that the reason some of these artworks have preserved so well is that a kind of silica washes down over them from the weather. A natural, natural, natural kind of silica, thing. Yep. and it uh, preserves them. And I thought, well, how lucky am I? I get to go and see all of these amazing ancient art murals yes on walls on on cave walls and then i come out here and watch modern artists create murals 
on our modern walls. So in some ways, things haven't really changed that I, much. I was just, <laughs> just, just as you're explaining that, I'm just thinking then really that First Nations people really, they were the innovators. They were the, they, they actually mm. invented street art, really. And here in Australia, we can actually go and see the the actual work. Some of that ancient work over in Europe, you only get to see the um, the copies. You know, yes. You don't get to go so and see, see the, the actual work. actual original work. I, I mean, when I was up in the Kimberleys, I sat on the rock that the artist probably sat on yep. to paint a painting. And, and you, you know, I mean, that kind of blows you away and now yes. I, and now I sit on rocks and seats and watch artists paint here <laughs> I watched Warriba Weatherall paint a wonderful piece in Fish Lane Warriba and Daniel Jay the land writer and and I was thinking then I'm sitting watching this this marvelous indigenous people painting on this wall in Fish Lane yes so you know it's um we're very lucky here Yes, we are. And there's one thing about your exhibition is that you've actually deliberately selected artists that have some connection to this area. Yes. I actually have something like 20,000 photos of artists at work, many of them to do with the Brisbane Street Art Festival, and they've come from overseas and all around Australia. But I couldn't exhibit all of them. And it took me about two years of thinking about how I could do this and bring it down to some sort of scope that was manageable. And that was to bring it down to artists who do generally reasonably large walls and that they came from this region. So originally the, the Brisbane region, but it's more the greater Brisbane, southeast Queensland region. Yes. And so that's how I managed to get it down to hundred and. 10 images and 16 artists, and I haven't covered them all by any stretch. Yes. And I, that's always a challenge, like, for anyone who's, you know, probably who's got a body of work and they've thought about maybe doing an exhibition is that one of the challenges is is trying to choose what images to include, but the hardest part is which ones to, you know, exclude. How did you go through that process? Oh, with great difficulty. I have so many favourites. Some of the favourites that the artists are on relatively small walls and I have have used some of those photos because they don't do big walls all the time. There's not enough big walls to play with. It was just, you just had to keep putting it there and slowly dropping them away until until I had, but I couldn't get down below the 110. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I may add a couple more yet because due to COVID and then losing my son to pancreatic cancer, I ended up putting this exhibition into storage for three years. Yes. So I feel as though I have a handful of photos taken since then that uh, should be included. Yes. And, I mean, where you're going to actually do the exhibition, which is event space, which is at South Brisbane for, for local people, I'll know event space probably for various different reasons, a lot of... A lot of really uh, interesting events happen there. I love Vent Space. Vent Space is, I guess, a young photographer, videographer, artist space. Yep. Studio and gallery. It has a, a vibe all of its own. 
it's interesting, a little bit of grunge, I think. Yes, which I think really fits your... It suits the genre yeah. very <laughs> <Perfect>. well. <laughs> I I like that peop- you can go in there, they've got a bar, you can have a, a drink or not, you can sit in a an armchair and chat, you can stand outside, you can come in and out. It's got lovely big high walls. We've already with some artwork decorating the walls internally as well. Yes, and some of those are artists I've photographed. Yep. So, in fact, uh, a couple of them, I will probably print photos of those artists painting and put them with the murals that are there. Yes. So, the whole the whole place just I like. I go there often. Yes. And it feels good. The the whole art community, really, that I've come to know, have welcomed me into their world. I'm not of their generation, but it seems that there is no generation to be concerned about, generational gap to be concerned about when artists are dealing with you. They, yes, they've it, embraced it, me. It crosses that divide. Like there's, there's a, I definitely know this feeling. What you're trying to describe is that. Yes, it's kind of like, and I think in in the Brisbane scene in particular, there's been a really good connection between photographers and the art community mm. um, because they both see the value in in what each does. Yes. I mean, I, I'm a small, grey-haired woman with a big camera wandering in and, you know, taking lots of pictures, often shoving a camera in their face and they don't seem to mind at all. And as we've gone on and I've talked about my philosophy in this, the artists, many of the artists themselves have expressed to me that they believe it's important work. It's part of Brisbane's history. I like to think that I'm contributing. Yes. And that they do actually not mind me coming along and and walking in and out of their spaces. <laughs> yes, and I think that that's the thing, is, and it's kind of like a bit, it's also being respectful of that, the artists when they're working as well, to give them space when they need space. But I think it's kind of important for them too to be able to go back and look at how something was created and have that, you know, have those images to document that. I, I know the number of the artists that I've worked with are so appreciative of the fact that you've taken time, and like you said, quite often, it's a huge commitment of time by yourself. So you've gone to some places for quite lengths of time. Yes, yes. I camped out at, uh, with my partner at the Ulaban silos two years running because they did that in two sections and travelled up and stayed up at Monto when Monto silos were being done. I often go backwards and forwards, but it, it's there is a commitment of my time, but to be honest, there's so much joy involved in my doing it they they make me feel good yes so it's it's not not hard (laughs) (laughs) so so when is give us some details about when the exhibition's happening and timing and all that type of stuff so okay very soon saturday the 3rd of february yep is uh the opening it's it's just saturday the 3rd and sunday the 4th yep um opening from five till on five the f- till ten. Five to ten. That's on the that's on the on, Saturday on night. The Saturday night. Yep. A man called Peter Breen 
is going to open the show for maybe, me. Maybe explain what's Peter's connection to the the Brisbane um, street art scene. Peter has been involved with many of these artists for many years. He Peter had Juggler's Art Space in the valley and his outside area was often filled with young people over the years painting panels on the back walls, uh, many of them illegal graffiti artists, and that, but they had a space, they had a place to go, and he encouraged them, nurtured them, and I can't think of anything better or anyone better to open this this exhibition than Peter Breen. Yes. He's, he's respected and, and revered by many of these artists right throughout Brisbane. Yep. Yes. And and some of these artists too have gone on to do like international work. So they've they've Brisbane's been yes. their kind of starting point. That's right. And I think Peter probably has known every one of the artists in my exhibition since since they were started yes. early. So Yep. So Event space is where the where the venue is, and like I said, so for people who may have limited time, the, obviously the the Saturday is going to be the opening. That'll be like there's obviously a few speeches and a few different things happening. Yes, um, just a couple. Yep. I, I'm I'm not big on speeches. Yep, <laughs> um, some music, but just you know a music list. If to, we'll we'll just have a bit of background music. music. It's more about people coming in, enjoying it getting together, a, a number of the artists have been looking forward to me actually getting this show off the ground. Unfortunately, there's you know, two or three of them that can't make it. A number of the artists will be there, which would be fantastic. So people will also be able to kind of, most of them are very approachable. Extremely. Yeah. They, they love their artwork. They put their artwork out there for the public. The, the, in the street art festival, people come along and they... They chat to them. And often, I think they they're trying to be focused on their work, but yep. they're they're always polite and interested, and and they like that people are interested in what they're doing. It's almost like performance art sometimes. I think the street art festival because people they do get an audience of people just watching them paint. Often, when the street artists are there, they have been known occasionally, well, not often, but occasionally, to include people. Kenji Chai was here from Malaysia and painting on the corner of Wickham Street behind McQuirter's. He had a, a cadet from the Brisbane Street Art Festival working with him and some of the cadets just fetch and carry and yep. do all those things, but this one, he'd put a brush in her hand and he had there, her there and he was giving her instructions. And then there was a young man standing nearby watching and the next thing he was talking to him and he was there painting too. Yep. Turned out he was a, an artist from Norway. Ah, yeah. Uh, called Harum Kunst. And when I looked him up, he, his work was just amazing. It blew me away. But he was humbly taking instruction from Kenji on, on how to do these murals, which were quite different to what he did in his own work. Yep. Another artist, Caffeine painted a, a huge mural, and she's one of the few women who's ever done a silo, 
there are a few, but she's one of them. And she does big work and she was painting a big wall at the Wickham Hotel. She had some of the, one of the people from the staff out there. She'd roped him in to, to contribute. Yes. I had photos of her showing him what she wanted to do and showing him the technique. And they do, they like to share. Yes. They like to go to schools and work and paint and work with the children. Not all of them. Some of them are quite, like to be just isolated and left alone to paint. Yes. But many of them do share. And I think if you're going to do your art in a public place, you have to be kind of open to that idea of sharing because you're on full public display while you're doing it. I was out at Thargaminda a while back. I'd been out the year before and taken some photos there of birds and some of the flora in the area and the Brightsiders came to me and said, Cherie, we're going to submit to do a painting out there on their community centre. Have you got particular images they were looking for? So they had a look through and took them away and I came back. They came back and said, okay, I want, we're going to use these ones. So as you do, I, my partner and I packed up our camper and drove a 1,000 kilometres to Thargaminda to take photos of them painting. Yep. And there were three children lived right next to the community centre and they interacted almost every day with those artists. The artists gave them some um, pencils and, and various things for them to play, use. Yep. And the artists were involved with the community quite a bit in determining what what was going to go up. So in the end, there's a two-storey painting of a blue bonnet parrot that I photographed and of Blossom and another painting of a goanna. The whole community came out the night it finished and the lights went on and the whole little community of Thargaminda came out to um, join every join each other and yep. the artists in celebrating in that. viewing this this um, things. It's interesting because it's it's almost like how in that instance how the street art can actually bring a community together. Mm. It kind of gives a like a I suppose it gives a point for everyone to focus on. Yes, and I think you know in today's world there's a lot of gloom and doom and stuff in the news. And nothing cheers me up more than seeing a nice piece of art in the street that stops you and you just look at it and just, you know what I mean, I think it's good for the soul. It is. The other thing they do is they like to give, tell a story or tell a message. A, a lady called Claire Matthews, Fusilia, she's also in, featured in my exhibition, yep. does amazing monochromes generally of sea life featuring plastic bags. and yes environmental damage and they have a big voice these artists and they use it and and that's something that I always think is good. I definitely think when people have a platform where they can put a message out there and help try and get it I suppose amplified mm-hmm. using their presence and using their art to do it I think it's what probably arts probably for a long time arts always been about doing that being about saying something about what you stand for as a person. Yes, I think it's important and yep. they certainly do. The other thing they do is they collaborate. They're not just grand artists, they're grand collaborators. There are a number of artists here in Brisbane who 
have worked together in different iterations. Some of them actively teach and do workshops. And it's interesting because um, once people get to a level where they're very comfortable with their work and themselves, mm. they they drop all the barriers as far as of you know not being afraid to share anything. I see it with photographers as well. I know quite a lot of very accomplished photographers will take younger photographers under their wing and basically, you know, give them information that's taken them years to 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 learn. Well, coming up through the amateur ranks, I certainly benefited that way because clubs, the clubs do that. Yes. And there's often people with 50 years' experience there who are happy to sit with you and and will go out with you and spend time. While the clubs aren't for everybody, it certainly helped me. When I go to some of the parties and different events now, I often find myself squirrelled away in a corner sitting with a, a young photographer and we're discussing technique and composition. And again, again, it's that timeless... I think that thing where there's where age is no barrier. Mm. I always look at like creators of any medium, whatever they use to create. There is there is a common connection. There's a common thread there. Oh well, I love their photography. I mean, I learn as much from them as as probably more than they do from me, because the they're more adventurous now. The the young photographers, so. I think some of the older photographers come in with a more disciplined approach mm. where the younger photographers who maybe have just picked up the camera and just started, for them there's kind of like anything goes and they're just experimenting and just trying a whole lot of different things to find what they like. Yes, and I love that. And it was something we couldn't afford to do so much with film. Because every time you press the shutter, that it you cost knew, you money. It, it cost you money. And the thing is, sometimes, I mean, and I'm sure you had this experience that when you did do some experimental photography, you ruined a lot of rolls of film that you never got much back for 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 your, all your effort. Well, that's true, and I notice a lot of a number of young photographers are now doing that with film. Yes, and I admire their tenacity because I find the freedom of digital just a bit too alluring for me yes in spite of the fact that i've got film still sitting in the fridge i just bought myself another film camera it's a classic film camera and i've just got a one last thing i've just got to chase down a little battery for it for the for the light meter i've got some rolls of film there so i'm keen to to put some um, film for it again and just kind of get out there and shoot a little bit different again just to have that bit of a diversity Yes. I'm just wondering. I mean, some of mine's so old that I'm just wondering what the film's going to be actually like now. But anyway, we'll see. Yes. Oh, well, sometimes that adds some interesting... It does. <laughs> adds some interesting effects. So just kind of recapping on the exhibition. So it's going to be those dates again for... Saturday the 3rd of February from 5 till 10. Yep. And Sunday the 4th of February from 9 till 4. Perfect. And that's event space it's South at Brisbane. Event space. It's uh, in Glenelg Street, South Brisbane. So it's quite close to trains and buses. And we'll put all those details in the show notes so people can go back in the show notes and they'll, they'll better see. And for people who maybe before they come to the exhibition want to have a look at some of your work, where, whereabouts can people find you? They can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Yep. I have an old. Um, website that I'm about to do up, but it won't be done before the exhibition now. 
So it, it has some of a lot of my other work on it and my travel photography. Uh, it, it's also Sharida Saley. So it's Sharida Saley for Facebook, Instagram, and .com. Yep. com for my website. Uh, and there's plenty of examples. There's some personal stuff on the Instagram as well, yep. given that um, I was because of the issues with my son. But if they scroll through, there's a, a lot of street art photography in Instagram. And what would you, just kind of in closing now, what would be your advice to people who maybe had not thought about really looking at street art too much? Like would you suggest that um, people, it's definitely something to go out and, and have a look at as, as something to as a subject to photograph and particularly if as it's being created? I guess it just depends on what you enjoy photographing. I mean, there's there's a group of people who call themselves the street art hunters who, who go out and ride around and they photograph as much street art as they can. And given that these artworks disappear so quickly sometimes, it's good to have them all documented. And I, I can tell from my own personal experience, I've got quite a number of Brisbane works that no longer exist because, A, the building that they were painted on no longer is there or the wall that it was painted on, someone else has bought the property and they've painted over it or whatever. So it, it is kind of, I suppose, great that photographers can actually preserve those images in photograph. Well, certainly... Some of the photographs I've got in the exhibition, those those artworks don't exist anymore. Yep. I photographed a young woman called Samano. Mostly I, I refer to them by their handles. Yes. What they call their handles, their Instagram names or their sort of graffiti-style handles. Samano painted a number of big walls, but one of them was 150 metres long. But it's gone completely because, well, it may still be there, but Toomball Shopping Town is closed. Yes, yep. And not to be reopened, to be pulled down and redone. And there was a number of other artworks all around Toomball Shopping Town. And unfortunately, they, they will be all be gone. And that's the case for the big one that Guido Van Halten did at Wollongabba too. There is a building now smack bang up against that wall, so it's no more hidden. to be seen. Yep. And the, the the wonderful painting by Drapple and Zookeeper, no, sorry, Drapple and Treasy at the Red Hill Skate Arena. Most of it is still there or part of it is still there, but it's very dilapidated now. Yes. And that's, it's, it's just the nature of street art. Yes. The, uh, what blows me away is that they continue to paint, work hard. All the joy is still there. They go back out and they do more. They put their heart and soul into it, their love into it, and and it can disappear tomorrow. Yes. That's, that's part of what captures me about them. I think for, for some artists too, that is the allure that they know it's only going to be for a very short time. I remember in Hong Kong seeing some street artists working with, of all things, they use soya sauce on concrete and do these amazing images with soya sauce. and. It's for, as soon as it rains, it's gone. But they put so much effort and so much passion. The first time I saw it, I was really intrigued. I'm thinking, what are they doing? Again, it's not a medium that most people would think about using creating art with. I mean, we've seen the chalk artists like creating sidewalk um, art, knowing that it's going to be washed away. 
But again, yeah, so it's it's kind of, I think, one of the things about street art is that it's not there forever. No. No, it's not. But your, but your photos will live on forever, so, which is, uh, I think, like you said, people will look back in 50 years from now and better, still better see how people, I suppose, express themselves. Yes. I studied art many, many years ago, art history as part of, just part of high school art. Yep. I could never get enough about the artist. There was artists like Van Gogh who constantly did self-portraits. Mostly, most of the artists you only got glimpses of occasionally and I, I needed to know more, even back then. So once I had a camera in my hand and found artists working, then I was happy. <laughs> yes. Well, look, I'm really looking forward to coming along and having a look at your works that you're going to have on at the exhibition. And like I said, anyone who's kind of in the Brisbane area or, you know, travelling to the Brisbane area around that particular time, obviously there's a there's definitely something they can put on their um on their list of things to do. So I'm hoping that you get a good roll up. I and, hope so too. Yeah, and look, good on you for actually through a lot of, you know, like you said a lot of challenges and personal uh, things that have happened in your life that you've had to work through, which has obviously made it a little bit harder, but I think you should be proud that you've actually got it to this stage. Thank you. All right. Cherie, look, thank you for coming in and just sharing that. And like I said, we'll have all the details for Cherie's exhibition event space. that will be all in the show notes in the podcast. So definitely jump in and have a look. Cherie, thank you again. And thank you, Stephen, for having me. Not a problem. See you.